So let me read um, Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 14. While a large crowd were gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes down and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but at the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. And as Kat said, today we're starting um, a series of, of a four-week series looking at some of Jesus' parables from Luke's Gospel. And I decided to give it the, um, the clever title, Subversive Stories. Now, I'm not sure if that was just alliteration. That was me just trying to be clever uh, with it. The, the key word is stories. The key word is stories. But why, why subversive? Well, subversive means you're turning things upside down. You're turning things upside down. Or maybe we're looking at things from a different angle. And the parables are stories that present truth but in a way that just maybe causes us to look at it a little bit closely. They come at, they cause, they come at it from a slightly different angle. And in doing so, they present a picture of the world that maybe just starts to turn things on their head. Parables, they present truth, but rather, it, but it's in a story. It's not just a list of things to believe. If we want to know the life of someone, if you want to know the life of someone, do you, would you rather read a textbook or would you rather read the biography about them? Would you rather have a list of, here are 20 facts about this person, or what, would you rather hear someone describe what had happened in their life, or better still, them speaking them, themselves about their life? What we say about Jesus' life, if you want to get to know about Jesus, I could probably give you, you know, a big textbook, 
But I'd rather say, no, 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 go and read a gospel. Go and read an account of Jesus' life. Hear their story. Pick up the gospel of Luke. You're going to find that it, it, it's full of stories. It's the story of Jesus, his biography, it's his life. But in, Jesus, in this account of Jesus' life, what he's actually doing is that he's telling lots of stories himself. So if we want to understand Jesus, if we want to understand Jesus' identity, his mission, and his call, we've got to look at his parables. We've got to listen to the stories that he told. When Jesus came to speak about something, he often did it with a story, with a parable. I read somewhere that, um, that of all of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, of all of his teaching, 30, about 35% of that teaching was done in the form of telling a story in parables. Sometimes it's a little bit tricky to figure out what's, what's a parable or what's not. Sometimes the parables, they're, they're so short, but it's, it's, um, sometimes it's a, like a story with a plot. Sometimes it's just a picture of something to get our head around. And when you start to look at that, there's something... People estimate there's between, you know, 35 or even up to like 65 different parables, different stories, different pictures of the world that Jesus is teaching us through. But if you're thinking about parables, they're not just in the New Testament. They're not just in the Gospels. Elsewhere in the Bible, you have people teaching through telling stories. Probably one of the most famous of those stories is... Um, it, or say the Old Testament, it's when the prophet Nathan comes to King David and he tells him this story, this powerful story to expose King David's adultery and murder. Tells the story about a family and a baby lamb and that story cuts deep, cuts deep into King David. In fact, when we see the prophets telling stories, those stories, they're there to challenge. They're stories that are subversive, but they get under the skin. Yes, in the stories, the parables particularly that Jesus tells, they're about everyday life. Yes, they're about everyday life, but there's an edge to them. He talks about farming. Jesus talks about inviting people to a party. Jesus talks about family life. He talks about people looking for work. But you read the stories or you read them again and you, you think about them and you discuss them with other people. And these stories, they dig deep. There is a challenge there for us. These are stories with intent. And when we get it, when we get that intent, we're going to think differently. We're going to want to treat people differently. We're going to want to live differently. We're going to worship differently. Because like those, old, those stories that we find in the Old Testament prophets, these Jesus' parables, they challenge us. There is a message there of, of rescue, of hope, but of rescue and hope because their salvation, because their judgment, the parables, they help us to hear the warnings and then they show us the way out. So when it comes to these stories, to these parables, they're not simply nice little, oh, that's, that's a, a quaint picture of life. 
But the more we think about them, the more we look at them, they come with an edge. These are parables. These are stories to provoke us, to appeal to us. We want space to think about them. And that's what I want to do over the next, um, this week and the next three weeks. And we're starting today with a parable of the sower. And it's the first main parable one of the first main parables, certainly that's the case for um, in, in Mark's gospel. I think it's one of the first ones in um, one of the first main parables that we find in, in Luke's gospel. And what's, what's really special about this parable is it's a parable which explains what parables do. Because unlike lots of other parables, Jesus is here. He's telling us himself what it's about. But let's be honest about it. It's not the most thrilling story ever. It's not a particularly, it's not, it's not the most sort of thrilling story ever. Talk about when we talk about stories or narratives, there's usually, I don't know, there's things that are going um, things that are going on. But here you read this, there's no major plot twist, there's no rings of power, there are no infinity stones. It's just a farmer scattering seed. Farmer scattering seed, wait. And then there's the harvest. That's, it's more of a picture or a couple of pictures of before and, and, and an after picture that we're asked to think about. So what's the challenge for us? What's the challenge for us? Quite simply, listen. Listen. Hear the word. Verse 8, Jesus says, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Here. Now it's funny because Jesus tells this parable, he tells this story to a crowd of people, but then it's only the disciples that get the explanation. But now that explanation, which was originally just for a small group of people, is written down for all of us to hear. And so there's no excuse anymore. There's no excuse anymore. When Jesus says this is about listening, Jesus is saying that to everyone. He's saying to that all of us here. Now, you've got to get in close. I was seriously tempted to ask you right now to move all your chairs a little bit closer. I won't. But it's that thing. Getting close. Lean in. Listen. It's not said here, but a lot of the time, Jesus' parables are about the kingdom of God. When he's giving his explanation about this parable to the disciples, he starts off by telling them that the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. What does that mean? What does that mean? If you read Jesus' teaching about the kingdom elsewhere, if you read his teaching, that, you know, that's not necessarily in story form, but the, the kind of the direct stuff. Take, for example, something like the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' teaching about the kingdom includes all the stuff that people want for a better world. Things like care for the weak and the vulnerable, fairness, loyalty, people's desire for good government, for a good use of authority, people's desire for sanctity of of life, people's desire for freedom. That's, That's the stuff all the researchers tell us that people want from life. Well, all that stuff is found in Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God. It's all found there in the Sermon on the Mount. 
But if you were to read that sermon, when you get to the end of it, Jesus, fin- Jesus finishes that, that sermon with a story. The story about building a house on rock or choosing to build a house on rock or on sand. And Jesus says you build your life on sand, which is a quick and easy job, and then it gets washed away when the flood comes. But Jesus says build your life on the rock, his words, his teaching, and when the flood comes, when the flood of God's judgment comes, it will stand. And the kingdom of God then is a kingdom that's built on the word. And the word is Jesus. So we need to listen. We need to listen deeply to take it in. And the thing is that that there's no fruit from our lives. There will be no fruit from our lives unless this word, Jesus' teaching, is taking root in us. The parable, which is a parable I've taught at least a couple of times here at church, it's... It is really at the heart of it. It's a simple one, like I said, about seed being sown in different places. And in some places it responds, or in one place it responds, in many more places there's no response. When the seed falls on the path or the rocky soil or the shallow ground, it dies off. Nothing much happens. But on the good soil, it's productive. It's really productive. So I'm going to say a little bit about those four places. Actually, I'm going to say more about the three places where it's unproductive. But essentially, the heart of the parable is clear from Jesus' explanation. Jesus says, listen, this is about how we hear, how we receive. In that parable, where you've got these four um, places where the, where the seed falls... The common denominator is that in all of those cases, in all those four places, those four different soils, they're all described as places where the word has been heard. So to put it another way, this is not a parable directed to people outside the church, people who've never heard about Jesus, but this is about people who have heard about Jesus. It is a truly terrifying thing that you can spend your whole life coming to church, hearing the Bible read, hearing sermons, good sermons about the Word of God, and it never bears fruit in your life. That is a truly terrifying thing that you can be brought up in the church, hear the best teaching, hear the best sermons, but Nothing. Why? Because the word of God, the gospel, has just bounced off your heart like a smooth stone skimming across a lake. Don't be a superficial superficial listener. The word has to go deep. So what happens then? What's Jesus saying about the word going deep? What's he saying in this parable about the word word going deep? Well, firstly, if we take Jesus' words seriously and deeply, we realize, we will realize that we have an enemy. We have a real enemy, a spiritual enemy who hates us, who wants to steal every opportunity that we're given to listen to Jesus. 
Jesus talks about the enemy. He talks about the devil, like the birds that swoop down and and pick up the seed that's fallen on the path. When we sit down here on a Sunday, when we gather together in a Bible study group, a pastorate or youth or whatever, when we sit down, when there's a chance to open a Bible, there's a spiritual battle that is about to take place. Whenever we're thinking about opening up our Bibles to to, to read, to study, to have a a quiet time or whatever, arrows are being sharpened, they're being loaded, the gun's being loaded, ready to fire against you. I'm not trying to spook you out here, but make no bones about it. The devil does not want you to listen to um, Jesus' words. And so the devil's going to do whatever he can to try and persuade you that it's not worth it. The devil's going to try and do whatever he can to persuade you, you don't need to take this stuff that seriously. You just need to show up a bit, sing a bit, and, you know, that will be enough. The devil would love to persuade you that um, if you take this seriously, then you're going to become a fanatic and you're going to become a weirdo, and you don't want to do that. You've got to wise up to it. This is the spiritual reality. Secondly, if we listen deeply to Jesus' words in this parable, then we realize that we're going to need to put down deep roots to deal with tough times. Deep roots to deal with rough times. Jesus is real about the fact that some people get quickly excited about the good news of Jesus. Some people get really quickly excited about forgiveness and God's love and that they believe for a while and then something else comes along and they're gone. You know, they're not really in church anymore. Jesus calls it, um, at the end of verse 13, a time of testing and then they fall away. That time of testing, hard life, rough things. What's he getting at? Maybe Jesus is talking about people who have a, they just have a good time, Jesus. You know, we're excited. If we're, if we're excited about life and we're pumped about life because life is going well, then we want something from church to do the same thing. But if church isn't doing that for us, if church can't give us that kind of buzz that we need to pull us up and pump us up because life is hard, then people leave. But church isn't about a buzz for good times. It's about a relationship with a living God. That relationship needs deep roots. When you listen to God's word, are you giving yourself every opportunity to put down deep roots? Are you giving yourself every opportunity to let this word really sink deep into you? Yes, it's so exciting when we hear uh, that someone's become a Christian, that when we, when we hear that something has seemed to have clicked and things have seemed to have fallen into place, I say, yes, that's great, that's exciting. Next question, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to keep growing? How are you going to keep growing in your love of Jesus, in your love of his word, in your love for his people? Because it doesn't come automatically. Got to put deep roots down. Thirdly, then, what else is Jesus teaching us? Jesus teaches us in this parable that it's the good things that sometimes gag 
or choke your growth. Sometimes, it's not just the hard things, it's the cool things in life which choke you. It says there, the seed falls on thorns and dies. And we think of thorns, we think of prickly, nasty things. But verse 14, Jesus said it's not just the worries, but it's life's riches and pleasures. Sometimes it's the good things that can serve to keep us away from God. Not saying that we should be praying for hard things to come, but just be saying, just be aware. You know, maybe it was a tough time. It was hardship that first brought you to church. Or maybe it was hardship that brought you back to church. That was the case for me. That was the case for my family. Serious illness, which was like a wake-up call. C.S. Lewis calls it kind of suffering. It's like kind of God's megaphone calling us back. But what happens afterwards? What happens when you've been through a tough time, but then life improves? What happens if you were, there was a desperate need for something, um, a job or whatever, and then you got the job? What happens when you've been praying hard through the exams and then you get the grades? What happens if you felt really lonely and, uh, and then suddenly you actually you found you had friends? Do you still need God's word? It's really easy to get into a pattern of life where church is what you do when you haven't got a better invite for the rest of the weekend. Very easy to get into that. Very easy to justify that to yourself. I was like that once. If you want to know more, come and have a chat with me about that. And with this parable, Jesus gives us these warnings. You've got to listen. Listen deeply. Don't be a superficial listener. I mean, this parable, it's like a before and after picture. And it's not saying that these soils are fixed places. I mean, it it is a story after all. It's It's a picture that's meant to represent something. But it's a bit weird to think about a soil that can change into another type of soil. I don't think that's the point. But if we have a heart to listen to Jesus, if we have a heart to receive deeply what Jesus is saying, then you're going to hear these warnings, these warnings about spiritual realities, these warnings about being distracted by the good things and the hard things of life. We're going to hear these warnings and we're going to take them seriously. And we're going to say, I want to lean in. Do you like stained glass windows? Yeah, yeah I didn't really think this was the kind of crowd. But work with me here. Work with me for a second. Um, A Christian writer writing um, on Luke's gospel, uh, his name is James Edwards, he said that parables are like stained glass windows in a big church or a cathedral. And by that, and this really does not work for an evening service, I have to admit that. He said, the thing about a, a stained glass window is from the outside, they're dull, they're lifeless, they're bland. But on a beautiful sunny day, middle of the day, not like now, end of the day, evening, you come inside a church and you look out at a stained glass window. And how does it look? It looks amazing. It's brilliant. It's radiant. James Edwards is saying Jesus' teaching is like that. Jesus' words are like that. 
It's his, his whole message of love and forgiveness that we find in Jesus is like that. He's saying if we want, if we want that kind of care for the weak, if we want fairness, loyalty, good, um, good government, sanctity, freedom, joy, and forgiveness, then you're not going to get that by just looking outside. You've got to come in. You've got to come in. You've got to be drawn in. If you want to see the beauty of Jesus, you've got to come in and embrace it. You've got to see deeply. You've got to listen deeply. If you're just on the outside hoping for these things, if you're not listening deeply, then you won't know forgiveness. And ultimately, you will not be saved. Jesus, verse 10, Jesus says that he speaks in parables so that though seeing they may not see and though hearing they may not understand. And Jesus isn't saying that he doesn't want people to not understand. He's not saying he, he, he doesn't want people to understand. I mean, if that was the case, if Jesus didn't want people to understand, he wouldn't have said anything at all. But those words that were taken from a prophet and the prophet Isaiah, they're a warning to us. Listen. Listen deeply. If you want to listen to Jesus, listen deeply. Listen closely. Lean in. Hear the word. Hold on to it. Keep on holding on to it and persevere through it. The final crop is just that. It's the final crop. It's the final, it's the end result, it's what happens at the end. But we start now, we start to see that growth now, that fruit of a life following Jesus, hearing his word, taking it in, into our hearts in the here and now. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, pray that we will be a people that will take this warning seriously. That without hearing deeply, without listening deeply with intent, we will not be saved. Help us by the power of your spirit to listen to your word, to allow it to soak in and get deep into our hearts, deep into our bones. Help us to be people who want to hear your word consistently, that we would take every opportunity to be in its path so that we keep on hearing, not trying to avoid it, not trying to get by on, on the minimum, but taking every opportunity to allow your word to speak to us and to sink into our hearts. Lord Jesus, help us to be people who want to apply your word in every area of our lives. Not to run from the hard things or the difficult things or the things that really challenge us, but that these would be the things that would cause us to put down deep roots in you. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be a people willing to do that together. To learn on our own, to share with others that we would help and encourage one another as a community, as a family of your people. We ask in your precious name. Amen.